God. That mountain was a towering mountain at one time. In just a few moments, the power that it demonstrated was incredible. Scores of people died when Mount St. Helens erupted. They did not die from the explosion, but from the gas and the dust that blew out of that mountain. I showed you that video for one reason. To try in a visual way to capture the words and the power of the words in our scripture text today. We're going to focus on fundamentals three Sundays in November. Today, I want to talk to you about the joy of the path to humility. Then I'm going to talk to you about serving, and then I'm going to talk to you about sacrifice. Because I believe with all of my heart that believers are like anyone else. If you've walked the walk for a while, and you've been a believer a while, you've been a Christian a while, you kind of get complacent. Would any of you say amen? All right. We get a little bit complacent. Because as we're complacent, then we kind of stop doing the things that we ought to be doing. Can I get an amen there? Coaches will tell you everywhere. Business people will tell you everywhere that if you're struggling in whatever it is that you're working on or whatever endeavor you're working on, go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the basics. And so I'm going to give you three basics that believers ought to be excelling in this month. Today, powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And I can't describe it better than to, for you to watch that mountain just explode. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. So turn there. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Great story. Great verses. Powerful verses. I want to stretch your thinking this, this morning about Jesus, who He is, and what He's done for us in these passages. Start at verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to be clung to. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you have your Bibles or your electronic device with your Bible, let's hold those up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Oh, Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Attitude. 
Attitude is critically important. Would you say amen to that? I mean, it covers everything, doesn't it? Perhaps you needed an attitude adjustment much like David's parrot needed an attitude adjustment. He got a parrot for his birthday. The parrot was fully grown with a very rude and bad attitude. David tried hard to change that bird's attitude and constantly was saying polite words, playing soft music, anything that would come to mind, but nothing seemed to work. He yelled at the bird. The bird got worse. He shook the bird. The bird got madder and more rude. Finally, in a moment of desperation, he puts the parrot in a freezer. And for a few moments, he heard the bird squawking and kicking and screaming. And then suddenly, all was quiet. David was frightened that he had actually perhaps hurt the bird by putting in the freezer. So he opens the freezer door and the parrot calmly steps out onto David's arm. And he says, I am sorry that I offended you with my behavior and my actions. I ask for your forgiveness. I will try to check my behavior in the future. David, being astounded at the bird's change in attitude, was about to ask what caused the change. And the, bird, the, the parrot said, may I ask exactly what the chicken did? And today, not a great story. And today, in the message, I want to give you four lessons about attitude and our attitude with Christ, which leads us to the joy and the path of joy to humility. Let's look at the first one. It's found in verses 5 and 6. Christ's attitude doesn't hold anything back. Let's look at those verses. Apart from Christ, we push ourselves all our lives in selfish ambition to attain more and more. Right? But the answer is in verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to, what does your Bible say? Grasp or cling to. What does it mean to grasp something? Perhaps you've uh, received a gift that really you didn't want, so you're going to return it, especially during the Christmas time, right? Maybe a duplicate gift. I mean, after all, how many Chia Pets can you really uh, use? So you go to the store to return the merchandise only to have to do what? Get a number. And you grasp that number. And you look at that number and then you look at the little uh, readout because you've got in your hand number 53. <laughs> and you're going to make sure that nobody else gets in front of you, Right? You're going to grasp that ticket. You're going to hang on to that ticket. You're not going to lay it down, do anything that's going to cause somebody to get in front of you. Grasping is really important. But before we think of grasping, I want you to think again about this verse when he says that Jesus being in the form of God. There's a Greek term used here. The NIV is probably much closer when it says in very nature, in the very nature. It's that Greek word morphe. One of our words we get from that is the word metamorphosis. It means to change one's form. And we think of form to mean this outward shell. But in the Greek, morphe refers to the essential quality the core elements. I mean, we say that a caterpillar, a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, and we can agree about that. But 
the nature of the caterpillar is the same. Its form changed. In the movies, computer-generated scenes enable characters to morph, yet the fundamental character remains the same. When you look at yourself, you were once a baby, then a boy or a girl, then a teenager, and then a fully grown man or woman. The appearance changed, but the inner essence, the quality, the core elements are the same. You got them at birth. You develop them or not. Jesus didn't grasp, clutch the position he had as the second person in the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't hold that and grasp it to demonstrate his power and his status. If I want to have the same attitude that Jesus had, I must be willing to lose my titles, my positions, my recognition. Do you know that people who chase after status are the main source of church problems and conflicts? I love the people who say to me, Pastor, I don't need a title to serve. Amen? We really don't need a title to serve. We just need to put our hands to the task. Amen. Second attitude. It's found in verse 7. Christ's attitude always seeks to serve. Look at verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Now, some people have said when it says that Christ emptied himself that he became less God. Oh, no. Oh, no. He was always God. But he was willing to veil his glory. To veil his majesty. On the Mount of Transfiguration is the one place that he let the apostles see it. That he was still God. And you might say, well, what was on there? Look it up. Be good for you. Look it up. That'll be your assignment this week. And then tell me next week what you found. Everybody going to, did you write that down? What your homework assignment is? Did you get that in your book? Okay. See, when the sun is obscured by a cloud, there's no real change in the glory of the sun, is there? It's still there. Because when the clouds break, we say, boy, the sun just broke through. <laughs> so the sun was always there. It's just that we weren't seeing it because it was being veiled from us. In verse 7, we are told into what Jesus emptied himself. It says in verse 2 that he became a servant. He became a servant. And if we are to think as Christ, if our attitude is to be the same as his, as Paul states in verse 5, it means that our perceived status and superiority goes right out the window. I know so many people who believe that God owes them instead of them owing God. They believe they're privileged because of whatever it is that they think they have. It could be that they have wealth and they give a lot of wealth to God. And so because they give all that wealth, they ought to have some say-so in what goes on. No, the Bible is what where the say-so is. Well, I volunteer all these hours, preacher. You need to, you need to listen to me. 
Well, if you're not bringing a message that's connected to the Word of God, then I'm sure I'll listen to your opinion because it's your opinion, just like my opinion. It's your opinion, right? That's true. So we need to understand that, that Paul wants our thinking about who we are and what we are and our superior thought processes to be thrown out the window because it's not really important. And Jesus came to show us that. He sought to serve other people. That was his first drive in life. When he got up in the morning, he thought, who can I serve? Who can I help today? Mark 9.35, we read it earlier. If anyone wants to be first, he should be the slave of everyone. Matthew 20, 28, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. John 13, 1 through 16 is where Jesus demonstrated washing the feet of his disciples. In Jesus' day, many households had a bond slave. What did it mean to be a bond slave? Three things. A person who is the property of and wholly subject to another. He was a bond servant. Secondly, a slave was not considered a person, but rather a tool, a lifeless material, something which you replace once it's worn out or they grow older, you go get a younger version. Thirdly, a slave had no rights at all. And so it was customary in Jesus' day for the master's household to arrive when guests were arriving to, for a meal to have their feet washed. And trust me, that was a dirty and dull job and it kind of dull your appetite as well. That's what Jesus did. He was the leader of the twelve. He was everything, yet He became a model servant leader when He washed their feet. So really, the question is, are you ready to wash people's feet? Maybe literally, maybe not so literally, but spiritually, are you ready to wash people's feet? Are you ready to serve people? Third attitude I want you to see is in verse 8. Christ's attitude is humble and obedient on our path to humility. We've got to learn to be humble and obedient we must realize that our status before God is not dependent on what others say, how we appear. When our meager glory is obscured or ignored, rather than jumping up and grabbing hold of the limelight, we think like Christ and we quietly move on. It says He humbled Himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, in Jesus' day, criminals were crucified. They were murderers, rebels, rapists, thieves. They were subject to be crucified. But Jesus had no sin. He had no sin within Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He obeyed God when He prayed in Luke 22.42, Father, this is, this, take this cup away from me if it's possible, but not my will, Your will be done. Jesus went under great pressure that no one could handle, yet He did it with full obedience. The fourth thing I want you to see is in verse 9. In developing good attitudes, is that God loves people with servant attitudes. God loves people with servant attitudes. Today there's a lot of emphasis put on brand names. Amen? A lot of emphasis... Somebody read out loud verse 9 for me. Somebody have that? Read it out loud for me. Was Jesus considered a brand name? I mean, after all, when our kids were growing up and we would get the generic cereal because it was cheaper, 
what would they do? Oh, Dad. You're going to make us eat this? Oh, it was, I mean, I've never seen faces like that before in my life. How bad it looked. They were going to have to eat that cereal that tasted that way because it didn't have Kellogg's on the box. The thing that was fun to discover is they got more on their own. They didn't mind buying that generic cereal. In fact, one of them, I was going to get the regular box of um, cinnamon toast crunch. And one of them said, Dad, 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 let's get a bigger bag down here for less money. It's the generic stuff, see? I like it. But we tend to be brand name people. I mean, when you think of Band-Aids, adhesive strips, you think of Band-Aids. You, when you think of facial tissue, you think of Kleenex. You think of sporting equipment, you think of Nike or Reebok. Whatever happened to Walmart. When you think of acetophetamine, well, I'm just kind of, I don't think I said it right, but that's pretty good for me. You think of Tylenol. Because you see, it's not about their high-class advertising. It's about the fact that you've used it before and it worked. You used it before and you worked. And it worked. So it is with Jesus. You ever heard people say, I've been a Christian for a while now and I, I just made Jesus Lord of my life. See, here's the, here's the problem. Jesus Christ is Lord. You and I don't make Him Lord. He is Lord. And you accept that and you live under it and don't buck it. If your dad says something, you usually listen. Can I get a... Yeah. I mean, mom talks to you all the time, but when dad talks, you listen. That's what it is. So it is here. When Jesus is Lord, we don't make him anything. God's already done it. We just submit. We submit to that Lordship. And we have a choice in doing that. We can either just run our own, our own strength, our own path, or we can let God be in control. And the sooner we do that, the better it is. Those of you raising children, have you discovered that they have a rebellious streak within them? I know it's new. I know I'm giving you new information. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. But young people have such a rebellious nature. You can be giving them the right information for the right time to help them in the right way, and they still rebel against it. Can you imagine how the Heavenly Father feels when we hear the right information at the right time and we still rebel against it? Jesus surrendered to Christ, I mean to God. He was exalted, however. That's what God does. God exalts those who serve Him. Mark 14 says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He possesses the same in authority and attributes of God the Father. In verse 10, His name is above every name. Someone read that for me, verse 10. In the early church, those who followed Jesus were called Christians. Today, 
It may not mean much to us except as a religious name, but in those days, the term Christian was an insulting name. Jesus was called a thief by the popular folks, a blasphemer, a rebellious person. He was cursed according to the popular statements. Today, however, this this verse reveals, everyone will bow down and call his name. Everyone. Doesn't matter how powerful or how influential they think they are, they will one day bow their knees and call out to Jesus. His name's above every name, and then he is also our Lord. Somebody read verse 11 for me. Lord in this verse means master. It extends into other meanings given in, in the context, but such as in this context of a kingdom, he suggests authority and kingship of the Lord. There are other contexts such as master, which reference servants or teachers or pupils, but this one, this one, he is master. Lord, as we use it in the Bible, has been twisted and distorted by modern interpreters and sometimes they ignore the context. They use it more for a theological term than who Jesus really was. Lord, in His proper context, is primarily political in its meaning. In Jesus' day, Caesar, his Lord, was the political pledge of allegiance required in a way not unlike Hail Hitler was required in the 30s and early 40s in Nazi Germany. To call Jesus Lord meant that there is a power in Jesus more important than the power of the king of the greatest state in history. To say Jesus is Lord and should be now A profoundly political statement affirming the authority of a powerless Jewish rabbi with scarred feet over the power of Caesar himself with all of his swords, spears, chariots, and crosses. When Jesus is Lord in your life, it won't matter what the world has to say to you. We're given different titles. Most are followed by a job description uh, at our workplaces. Maybe you're an important person in your organization. Uh, Don't let that shape your attitude. Remember, attitude become actions. Actions become character. And we must be ready to step down and be identified with the common people. You conquer the minds and the hearts of people when you don't give priority to who you are. So the question of the hour is, are you ready to be a servant of everybody? If you seek to be the top person in your community, you will be the lowest person. We all like to command others to give orders to people. I only feel good about it sometimes. To be in control. We all like that. Jesus' demonstration of that 
was when he bowed down to wash the feet of his disciples. Do you understand what I have done for you? He says in John 12, he says, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Learn to serve others. There is joy in humility. You don't have to have the last word. You don't. And you will know you're maturing when you know you don't have to have the last word. To obey leaders, a person has to learn to obey. I tell young people all the time, if you can't be obedient to your parents, then you can never be obedient to Jesus Christ. Because you see, the parents are put here for a purpose to help you learn obedience. Now, if the parents are messing it up, that's one thing. But they're put here to teach you obedience. Not with a strong arm, but to teach you obedience through serving. To teach you obedience through humility. And I've watched young people after young people after young people who have parents who teach them that turn out to be tremendous adults. You don't have to beat them and whip them. You just got to show them. Men, you want your wives to be submissive to you, then you learn and teach her how to be submissive by how you treat her. Hello, that's a whole new story. <laughs> yeah. I grew up, when I grew up, my mother and dad, it was just the opposite. My dad said, this, that, and she had to jump, you know, off the floor and do all this stuff would have been great if there was a mutual respect and mutual love for each other a shared approach to life a shared approach to the relationship a shared approach to the child ring shared approach to everything wouldn't that be awesome that's what god wants in the san francisco bay area some educators decided to conduct an experiment they called three teachers together told them that they had been selected because they were the brightest and most capable teachers in the school system They also told them that for the coming school year, they had been assigned 90 of the most advanced and academically gifted students in the area. The administrator said, we want you teachers to move these students through the school year at their own pace to see how much they will outperform the rest of the school system. Because of their higher IQs, we know they will progress more quickly, but we would like to measure their achievement relative to the other students. The The three teachers and 90 students had a great school year. I mean, after all. These teachers had the opportunity to work with the best students. And the students had the best teachers. At the end of the year, the students had achieved 20 to 30% above the average of the students in the whole area. At that point, the teachers were called in and the principal said, I have a confession to make. Your students were not the most intellectually gifted. They were chosen at random. So they were really just an average sampling of students. And the teachers responded by saying, so the students performed so well because they had the best teachers. The principal said, I have another confession to make. 
you were not chosen because you were the brightest and the most capable. Well, actually, your names were chosen out of a hat. (laughs) Of course, what the students and the teachers had not known was that the experiment was not about IQ, nor was it even about what some are calling EQ, emotional quotient. It was AQ called attitude quotient. It was to measure the extent to which what we think about ourselves affects our performance, and the results were dramatic. The students and the teachers who were told they were the best and believed it performed the best. Jesus would want me to tell you, you are the best. You are the cream of the crop. And the reason you are is because of the blood of Calvary. Because you are the brightest and the best there is, it's because He gave you and showed you how to do it. Oh, Father, we ask You this morning to do something in us that we can't even do ourselves. We ask You to touch us. We sometimes get to thinking we're pretty we're pretty okay. We get to thinking that uh, you're kind of blessed to have us around. When God, we should be on such a path to joy, leading us to humility, and we understand serving people empowers us in such a great way, gives us more than we could ever hope for. Father, we see it every year at Christmas when we give gifts to other people And especially when we do it, not because we have to, but because we want to. So God, would you help us to be humble servants, willing to wash the feet of those around us if need be, ready to bring a a cup of cool water to a person who's struggling, walk into a research store and bring back an item of food that will help somebody in need. Oh God. Oh God. Break us today. Humble us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.